So welcome to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. We're coming to you from Estia's Little Kitchen on the Sag Harbor Turnpike, Sag Harbor Bridge Hampton Turnpike. And it's Sunday, Alec, and you know what the special is today for brunch? Uh, Egg-based special? It is an egg-based special. You are so clever. It is two, it's gringo hash. Gringo hash? Yeah, two eggs with rice and beans with only Gringo hash sounds like a bad guy in a Tom Mix movie from like the 1930s. <laughs> gringo hash. He's, he's at Dead Flash Gulch. <laughs> um, two eggs with rice and beans with andouille sausage, avocado, queso, and corn tortillas. Oh, yummy. Uh, Colin always makes the best stuff here. And Pick his a bad day to give up cholesterol. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And they're serving dinner here now, too, at Estia's. That's amazing. Estia's is cool. Yeah, you can find it. Uh, actually, their Facebook page, I think, is Estia's Little Kitchen. And I think that's also what it is on um, Insta. And they post the best things. They really do. So that's where we're coming from. You're listening to us on WPPB, which you can listen to at 11 o'clock, the time that we're on, on WP 88.3 on your FM dial, your or high-frequency dial. 88.3wppb.org, and you can always donate. It's always a good time to donate to your favorite listener-supported public radio station. So today our guest is Kevin McAllister of Defend H2O, and I've, I've known Kevin now for like a year or so. And, and I think there is no defense for water. Oh. <laughs> well, get Clarence Darrow in here immediately to defend water. No, anyway, but uh, defend H2O, that, 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 that's not what it is. It's I actually know. about defending the waterways. And you and I have both, like, been very lucky to be to spend our childhood Yeah, I mean, we both, we both spent our formative years uh, out here, if not full-time, as much as we could. Our families would bring us out here. And I, I think that one of the draws has always been uh, the beaches and the waterways and the, and the ponds and, and the estuaries or whatever. And you just take it for granted. Like as a kid growing up, you take it for granted. You can go crabbing here. You can go kayaking there. You can go surfing. You, you use it. And you don't realize until you're an adult that uh, it needs protecting. You know what I was wondering? I was thinking about yesterday. I wonder if like cavemen or, or, or like indigenous tribes from a long time ago who were land-based rather than water-based, I wonder if they like took vacations because I just came back from a vacation in Cancun and I was thinking like I wonder if you know the Mexican people from from inland but like hundreds and hundreds of years ago I wonder if they would make I mean I know they did in India where they would make kind of like pilgrimages to the water so water has just always played a very very important part yeah but also I think you know before the proliferation of humans especially European humans out in Long Island uh, the reason why there were people here is because it's a land of abundance, and yeah. and it was probably easier to live by the waters and and uh, live off of the water. Live off the water, uh, and then you know then you get humanity and you get everybody, uh, myself included. So I'm not judging. Uh, looking at Eastern Long Island as a choice place to be while you're living your modern life. 
kind of completely, uh, again, taking for granted or assuming it's always going to be here or right. it's here in some natural state when, you know. Yeah, it so. changes. The, the co- you know, the, the coastline changes. I mean, and even when I was living in New Hampshire, uh, they started getting invasive species in the in the lakes up there, milfoil and all these different things. So it's like we really need to protect these waterways. And Kevin McAllister, who's with us today from Defend H2O, is really going to tell us. I mean, he has spent a lifetime just being passionate advocate for Long Island's for waterways. coastlines. He's a I would say boy. for coastal living, but that's a magazine. Yeah, and coastal that's living. Like <laughs> it's a magazine for really old, pe- really old rich people. So like, we're not going to talk about that. No, but he's a Santa Maria's boy. I mean, yeah. he spent his life out here on the water and it's super cool i'm really looking forward to speaking with him but like what are some of your memories of being out here as a kid that are maybe can i tell you one of mine that like something i remember when we were in wainscott we used to go into the dunes in wainscott and emma walton my my sister and i we would dig just a little teeny bit and we would find these adorable families of tiny miniature frogs and you can't do that anymore. Those frogs no longer exist. And it's not because we took them because we would put them back. My mom always taught us right. to like return treasures to the sea. So we never took anything off the All ocean. Right, so, so, but I'm going I'm to get a little more abstract. Like one of my strongest emotional memories is when the beaches out here would create those little cliffs where like the ocean would kind of uh, beat against the sand yeah, that's where and create a one the- or two foot high what I would say almost looked like a cliff of Dover. Yep, that's where we and would find I the I had frogs. more adventures, fun. When I used to run away from home, uh, when my folks were, were uh, in Sagaponic, um, I would hide below those cliffs until the tide came up, and I'm like, ah, oh, this isn't good. So like, but I so so again, I would say my memory was much more like that seems so magical to me and as magical that it could disappear yeah. as quickly as it showed up. Now I have to ask you a question. When you ran away, what did you pack? Uh, my uh, BVDs. Like I didn't pack anything. I had my, I like my, my banana bicycle and I, I would go to either like, what was the general store, the penny candy store, which is now where uh, Pierre's in the post offices. Right, right. Or to the beach. Okay, but you know what I did? This is like ridiculous. I would run away. I, first of all, I would pack a pillowcase. I had perfectly good Louis Vuitton luggage. I have no idea. 300 count right. Egyptian And you know cotton. what I would bring with me? Seriously? Friskies. Like cat food. Like I was going to eat friskies. And I had, I had a fridge. You know my mother. I had a fridge I ne- full I of food. I never planned. I say I, my running away was less like going to Horizon. and was much more like Cool Hand Luke where I was proving a point against my captors. <laughs> who happened to be my parents at the time, you know, so <laughs> I guess they're still my parents. But like, yeah, they are still your yeah. parents, and mine are still my parents, but why I thought I could live off Friskies when I had, like, Zabar's food in the fridge, like, why I would do that, I don't know. I was not a very good planner when it came to running away, which is probably why I stayed home. So let's go back to water, though, because yeah, also, like, and, and again, I'm not going to, this is way above my pay grade, but, you know, like, plumbing, plumbing, like, whoever created, like, the pipe helped propel humanity more than... Wasn't that Thomas Crapper? No, that he created the crapper, and as Groucho Marx said, "Via a duck, via not a chicken." Yeah, but, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> there is no sanity clause. <laughs> okay, so, Sock, we're going to take a break now because <laughs> it seems like we need help. 
seems like because you need help. help. But we're going to come back. We're going to talk to Kevin McAllister of Defend H2O. You're, we're coming to you from Estia's Little Kitchen on the Bridgehampton Sag Harbor Turnpike in Sag Harbor. And uh, the food here is amazing. They're serving dinner now. Uh, Fridays, I think it's Fridays and Saturdays for right now. And uh, you're listening to us on WPPB 88.3 FM. And you can also listen to us online at 883WPPB.org. We'll be right back after this. 365 days a year, WPPB is working for you on the air and on our website. WPPB has a helpful community calendar on our site. Just go to 883WPPB.org to the community calendar tab and tell us about your activity or event. It's free, easy, and fast. WPPB is the voice of the community, 365 days a year, seven days a week, on the air and online. Spread the word about your community events. Go to 883WPPB.org. We're back with Sundays on the East End. This is Bridget Leroy. Wait, wait. Oh, he's wait. Ah, uh, uh. uh, that's some good water. And Alex Sokolov. <laughs> We've been doing some of our favorite water uh, references from films. We're welcoming our guest, Kevin McAllister. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Uh, did you Thank say you. howly you or how are you? <laughs> no, because we were talking about Gringos versus Howley's because today's special at Estia's Little Kitchen, which is where we're taping our show, is Gringo Hash, and it's inspired by John Robin Bates, Robbie Bates, one of our favorite playwrights who's leaving Long Island, which sounds like a Sheryl Crow song, but anyway... Was it um, like Elizabeth Shue? Yes. No. All right, yes. so Kevin, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Thanks, Thanks for coming on. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about your. Um, let's talk. Like, let's talk about yeah, if you will, like like. Um, how did you start? Uh, defend H two O. H two O. Let's just go like start a simple thing. Because you have like thirty years in this. Yes, I'm seeped in water. I guess. Um, <laughs> are, are you waterlogged? Yeah, pruning? No, are, you, are your fingers pruning? Should I check yeah, you? No, no, I'm a lifelong water person for nice. sure. Uh, Defend H2O was uh, formed approximately five years ago uh, for a growing need to really, uh, say, straight talk about the conditions of water and, uh, you know, also the coastline. We were under enormous pressure with respect to water quality uh, as well as water quantity. And given and what do you the, mean by water quantity? Because the water levels are rising or shrinking? or Long what? Island is glacially formed, as many people know. We're a, a giant sandbar. Right. So our, our drinking water supply is below our feet. Uh, think of a giant bubble, if you will. It, it slowly moves toward the coast. Um, because of the development pressure, uh, more and more homes drawing on water for, uh, obviously, uh, water use uh, and also wasteful use, such as uh, unnecessary irrigation. Right. You know, we are drawing right, down. So, so the proliferation of, of houses and people and everybody yes. out here has pulled the water from the center more towards the, 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 the potable water, the drinking aquifer. water. Aquifer. From our aquifer, yeah. uh, ultimately that drawdown 
uh, is creating a situation where it's allowing seawater to come in subterranean. So we're we're seeing saltwater intrusion affect the coastal areas. Oh, that's really interesting. Uh, I didn't, so that's, you mean it's in, it's going into the aquifer. Correct. Salt? It comes in or, as a wedge uh, into the land underneath. So it ultimately where there might have been uh, well water that was supplying households are no longer drinkable because of the saline uh, content. Wow. And How would you know a, that? I mean, because it, it would probably have to get really salty before you tasted it. It's being monitored, but, uh, you know, there's, the government agencies do monitor this. And this is not unique to Long Island. This is a, a coastal issue throughout the United States. Right. Uh, Florida in particular and you know the common denominator is just too much drawdown on that water supply right and but, and, and, but that sounds like something that is, isn't gonna like you're not gonna stop half the equation uh, the houses are already here the people are already here and as the disparity of wealth continues in this chapter of, of history the money people need to spend their money somewhere and in places like Eastern Long Island that's a desirable place, and so you're seeing, a, you know, you're seeing the benefits maybe to the economy on some levels, but you're you're seeing the stress to the infrastructure. The the demand in the summer, and I, I talk about water conservation and waste of water. You know, the sprawling trophy lawns, if you will. I mean, the, the enormous demand in the summer months, just purely for irrigation. Uh, again, that is drawing on a, a finite drinking water supply that you know we we really can't risk losing. And I, I mentioned, of course, uh, saltwater intrusion. You know, there's better ways of doing. We need to live more softly with respect to our water use. Uh, in the case of sewage treatment, which is starting to ultimately gain traction uh, on Long Island, instead of jetting it out to sea, millions of gallons a day that's lost forever, you know, we need to treat it to the highest achievable levels and put it back into the ground so it, it uh, continues to provide drinking water. Can I, can I ask you something? Like, I mean, you, you're, like I said, a Santa Maria's boy. You grew up kind of on the eastern end of Long Island. What, how, what was the aha moment that made you literally commit your life to, to being an advocate for this? There must have been a moment when you were a kid. Well, it's, it, it's moments. I was blessed. Uh, my family moved out from Brooklyn when I was months old, uh, settled in Santa Mariches, and a uh, child of the 70s, you, you went out the door and you explored. So It was a simpler time. Yeah, yeah, it was a simpler time and uh, just being able to be exposed to the great outdoors. It was I, Quaaludes instead of uh, fentanyl, right? <laughs> That's why he shot me the look. Exactly. We went to high school together, yeah. so he's like, it was a simpler time. You, you know, you could just get, you could get, you could get a nickel Sorry. back for a right, nickel so back then. You know, you're growing up out here. It, it had its own complexity. <laughs> but, you know. No, it was a block away from the bay. Right. Uh, owned the boat a very young age and I had a roughly a 300 acre preserve down the wow. street so between the woods and the waters uh, you know it was free rain and and uh, it was a, a strong connection in the early age and you know to your question it uh, I knew growing up and as childhood that in my calling was environmental protection I just didn't know exactly what that career would be that's amazing and, and, and so when you know that as you're coming of age uh did you what did you study uh in university uh biological sciences so marine sciences uh, right. and then my master's is in coastal zone management okay so really you were focused at a young age to to try and uh get a, a, as much of a basis uh of knowledge and and connections and stuff to start your career uh or, or your advocacy, I should say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I continue to be a lifelong learner because uh, 
you know, to speak to the environment, uh, its threats, and ultimately the things we have to do to protect it. You know, I, I try to be well versed in the science, stay up on the science, and obviously with uh, respect to the issues that are important to us out here. Well, yeah. I, I, I want to go back, though, to, to knowing that you were going to be involved in environmental protection. Did that come from your, your parents or did a, a teacher? Or, or Richard some, Nixon. <laughs> did, did something in particular no, I mean, that, make you realize that this was something that need something precious that needed to be protected? It was my own connection, again, being able to go out the door into uh, hundreds of acres of preserve and just explore you know, get on a skiff and get out into an open bay or Yeah, because I mean, like, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but Sock was saying before, like, with the things we take for granted, you know, and, it, and it's like, it sounds like you never took it for granted. Like, you knew that this was something precious, and that's amazing. Well, it brought stuff, it brought things to my life, and, you know, it, it, it um, I guess, thrilled me as a child, and ultimately it was a strong calling that, you know, I wanted to work to protect, you know, what, certainly what I... Uh, right. And, and all right, so now the next question is then, so you, 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 you start your, you know, your energies as an adult in advocacy and protection. What, and I'm saying it completely ignorantly, like what, what are the organizations that, that you've found or nurtured you or brought you along that allowed you to be part of the conversation on the local level? Well, I spent a great deal of time in South Florida. Actually, I speak about my water connection. Um, I moved down there to be a professional lifeguard for some years. In you my, did? Yeah, my uh, school years, my college years. Oh, that must have been fun, spring uh, break. Well, it was, it was <laughs> I learned a lot, obviously, in, on a concurrent track with the uh, marine education to be out there every day, 365. Um, you know, you really see things that, um, you know. Whereabouts uh, in Florida were you? Jupiter and Palm Beach oh, yeah, County. Yeah, yeah. So a very nice area. Beautiful. Um, finished my education down there, started working professionally, and uh, had a calling to return back to Long Island. Cool. In my thir early 30s. Yeah. Wow. Now, what was it like? Um, water quality i mean i know that the, there's been a lot more erosion and stuff but has water quality basically improved since the 80s like i'm thinking of like cleveland the river burning you know i mean there cuyahoga. are wait, wait, okay. yeah cuyahoga river why cuyahoga. were you thinking of cleveland no because i was thinking about water quality oh, why was i thinking about yeah. cleveland i'm sorry am i not you know, supposed it, to think no, about no, cleveland? No, the mistake by no, the lake i was thinking about grove, grover grover the, cleveland the mistake by the lake Right, the mistake by the lake, but river I mean, river on fire. But, but yeah. the river on fire. So there were these. So I, there, there's got to be places where water quality has improved because of, uh, you know, the EPA or, or different organizations that became aware that we can't just use water as a as a garbage dump, right? Yeah, the Clean so Water Act, and you're speaking of the Cuyahoga River, which actually was a, a precipitating event for the Clean Water Act, I believe, in 1970 or 72. Uh, you know, that's federal law that protects waters of, of the nations. And right. that one a great ways to really uh, restoring waters in some of the uh, impacted you know where it areas. It started with those damn, those damn. Long patriots, hairs. No, those patriots throwing tea into the harbor. No, that's pollution. No, no. No, that's you know water like, pollution. No, but I, I spent most of my adult life in, in California and on that coast. And one of the things that it, it still is jarring to see is all the oil rigs. Uh, just outside, you know, off the coast, sure. and then Santa Barbara, and then and, and when you get all of the tar in your feet, and you're like, no, that just happens. It's like, no, no, like there's a direct correlation between what humanity's doing and trying to pull resources out, and then people living right 
right nearby. And I nearby. think after the Cuyahoga River, you bring up a good point, Alec, because I think the first thing that really, um, at least nationally, got attention was the Valdez, where, where people really started realizing, oh my God, like this is hurting you know the, those pictures of seagulls, you know, b birds covered with right, oil. Bridget, and that goes to something that's always confounding, which is it takes like a picture of a seagull covered in oil right. for somebody to care. Right. And that's bizarre because that's you think about how much we need. I, like I did not know this idea of the salinization happening to our drinking and and the sewage and stuff. We're made of water, we should dude. Be having this conversation, and not because there's a photo of a bird covered with oil of course but it people care about animals more than they care about the I'm, planet I'm, I'm in some it's, ways it's interesting though it is it is you're right it does take it sometimes it takes an image for people to really get involved and um anyway that sounds like a good spot to probably take a little break yeah and when we come back uh, i have so many questions uh and uh chat like what your challenges are right now and and really what people can do to be part of the solution that we're all going to have to be part of one way or the other. Yeah, so you're, you are listening to Sundays on the East End. With Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolo. We're coming to you on WPPB 88.3 FM. From is on the SAG Bridge Turnpike. Oh, you're getting good at this. We'll be right back after these messages. <laughs> is there someone in your life you'd like to honor? Family member, friend, an unsung hero? Nominate them for a Merci Bouquet, delivered free from Sag Harbor Florist. Send name and contact information to bonnie at 883wppb.org and listen Friday mornings on the Media Mavens on WPPB. Merci Bouquet, giving thanks to our community. Back Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolou. Wow, that was just so great. We're coming to you from Estia's Little Kitchen, and the owner, Colin Ambrose, just stopped by. And he's a huge, uh, we have Kevin McAllister from DefendH2O.org on as our guest. And Colin, uh, when he's not here, does the American Rivers Tour, which you can also look up online, where he goes around and he has these wonderful YouTube videos. And he fishes in America's most beautiful waterways, but he always goes with, like, a chef and... They also cook next to the river, and he's like an unbelievable chef. I mean, if you come to Estia's little kitchen, you know, I mean, Colin is like top notch, but they cook outside, like on a fire, and sometimes it's the fish that they catch, but sometimes it's not. Some, he did like a, a yeah, chicken, that, cornbread you chicken pot pie. Though, that, was that little allegory or whatever of like yeah. how a, a father and a son are fishing and they catch a fish and they're cooking and they're eating it and the son says I love this fish and the father says well if you loved it why'd you kill it like that's <laughs> you love what it okay, does for you if you're just tuning in Alex Sokolo is a comedy writer and I apologize for anything he says that might offend you or or not offend you in fact if it doesn't Let, offend you you're not this, doing when your Colin job was here, when Colin okay. was here yes. you were talking about dam removal so what's this uh, initiative that you're working on one of the premier streams on Long Island uh, is the Carmen's River. Which runs is up, from, by, up by where I live in Mauritius. Correct. It runs from Middle Island, empties out in Great South Bay. Mm. Uh, a great deal of its uh, preserved land, uh, unfortunately, uh, well, not unfortunately, but back in the colonial era, 
the river was dammed for purposes of generating mills. That damn William Floyd. Yes. Um, so the you know ultimately that's a bygone error. Uh, the town of Brookhaven is poised to dredge the impoundment uh, because of this invasive. Uh, Wait, is that good or bad? The dredging. Uh, the dredging's bad. It's uh, this is an opportunity to really everything up. Okay. It does, and it created uh, just by virtue of draining it, they created a, a mess with the mud that was going downstream in a, a native brook trout population. Yeah. So the impoundments themselves, uh, with the drawdown, these were historic wetlands. So I've been advocating Defend H2O to move toward wetland restoration mm -hmm. for benefits of water quality, habitat, and coastal resiliency. Right. Uh, as we and where, where are you getting in Brookhaven with that? With uh, it's been difficult. Uh, ultimately, we're you know engaging the public to educate and um, engage well, and let's talk activate. About it, but let's talk about engaging the public because again, you know, uh, Eastern Long Island. Our show Sunday is on the East End. We we highlight Eastern Long Island, and, and we do Long have Island, a huge leader uh, a listenership in Brookhaven as well. But so. but Eastern Long Island is 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 really interesting because so many of the homeowners and the population that explodes for the three months of the year um i think they are out of sight out of mind when they're not here a lot i was like that and and yet these issues are 12 month a year issues these are not just three month a year issues so how do you educate the public how do you get the message out to let people know that this is uh, worth... I mean, besides it, people going to town boards and, you know, squawking about it, how do you get the people who don't go to town boards to, to really know about this? Well, my personality, uh, I'm very tenacious on the issues. Who, I, you? I, You're I, shrinking violet. I, I, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I try to identify what I, I believe are very important issues and continue what, what I call pound the issue. So, you know, through forums such as this on the radio. And let's um, talk about the forum you had over the summer, because that's where I met you. So sure, that was uh, right here in Sag Harbor uh, at, at the Whaling Museum. Uh, Alec Baldwin and myself, we had a uh, very serious conversation about coastal living, the implications of sea level rise and what that would mean uh, in the future with respect to the integrity of our shorelines or if, beaches if this, and wetlands. If the sea level does in fact rise about two feet, which is what I think I've read, um, what does that mean? Like not, not just to the first hundred yards or the, the thousand right. yards, like what does it mean for Eastern Long Island if that is what's inevitably predicted With well that's serious change. implications the to put it in context we've probably seen a four inch rise over the last 40 years uh we're looking at a two and a half to three foot rise over the next 40. yeah guys so, think it's actually a six inch rise but <laughs> oh my god i can't well, believe <laughs> you literally got a dick joke onto public radio i am so impressed and it wasn't me that said it that's even better so what that means is low-lying areas that don't have the elevation, uh, they will become routinely flooded. Right. Uh, there's a term called coastal inundation, and I was talking about uh, saltwater intrusion earlier. Yeah. Where seawater subterranean actually comes in and, and perches the groundwater. Uh, so sunny day flooding, you know, we won't have a rain event, but yet you'll see persistent uh, floodwaters in, in streets. Yeah. Uh, and this is only going to get a more... Uh, more compounded over time. I, I just, and, so, so then let me ask you this question because logic would then go to so we need more infrastructure to get rid of the flooding but does that it, does the increase of infrastructure then add to the bigger problem? Yeah because the, look at Montauk right? <laughs> Do well, I need to say more than that? I mean the the Army Corps of Engineers came in they put all those sandbags and it made it worse right? 
with respect to the coast, you have the coastal zone, so that interface between marine waters and groundwater. As we have more pronounced flooding and, and a higher rising water table, obviously our wastewater now is uh, going to commingle with marine waters. So we're talking about contamination of our harbors yeah, or, or bays. Uh, so it's a serious issue. We've got to move toward advanced treatment. In some locations, we've got to move toward sewering. We're not releasing wastewater into the groundwater. I, can I cycle back to, uh, you know, this summer, for example, the, this thing that he, that Kevin McAllister, our guest, uh, and Alec Baldwin was, was kind enough to come and kind of interview you and talk to you. Is that the best way, do you think? Because it seemed to me that that was absolutely sold out. So you had uh, Yeah, this is the, the first audience. I'm hearing of it. Not that I'm the most informed human being. but, but No, but what I mean is that that was a good way to get the people who aren't usually here was to have a big name like Alec Baldwin, who, who does help a lot. He helps WPPB a lot. He's a, he's a big supporter of a lot of, of, of the places and, and, you know, the... the the issues that matter out here is that a good? I mean, that seemed like a really good way to get three or four hundred people who may not usually show up at town board meetings to hear about Defend H Two O. And beyond the, uh, you know, I mean, there's benefits galore out here in the summer, and I wanted to bring some real education to, you know, to to the public. And by virtue of Alex's environmental ethic, and he's, you know, he's a very smart guy, so he understands these issues when they're explained to him. And you know, I thought it was a great forum, great platform to bring people in to educate and ultimately then to try to activate. You know what happens is like a lot of times I'll say something like, oh, and me and Alec, and people go, Alec Baldwin? And I go, no, Alec Sokolov. And they go, oh. I'm, I'm used to that. I've gotten that my so whole life. I'm disappointed. I know. I've gotten that my whole life. I'm, I'm usually disappointed when I realize it's me also. <laughs> We're going to take a break right there. We're talking with Kevin McAllister. You're listening to, listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. We're coming to you from Estia's Little Kitchen, where the special today is Gringo Hash, named after John Robin Bates, who's a famous, famous playwright and used to live in Sag Harbor. I think he's moving on right now. But it is two eggs with rice, beans, andouille, sausage, avocado, queso, and corn tortilla. And, and hash. And hash. Well, not actual hash. You get that down the street, Alec. We'll be right back. The following is a public service announcement from 88.3 WPPB. Founded in 2002, Fighting Chance is a free-of-charge cancer counseling and resource center, independent from any hospital and funded solely by charitable contributions located in Sag Harbor on Long Island's East End, providing patients and their caregivers free access to a variety of resources and professional counseling. More information at fightingchance.org or 631-725-4646. So we're back Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy and Alex Sokolow. And our guest is Kevin McAllister. But really quickly, I just want to bring on one of the diners here at Essie's Little Kitchen, Mark Bernardo. Come on over here. He, Mark, you're you're a PPB listener. Oh, I'm, I'm a fan. You Absolutely. are. Absolutely. So who do you like best? You know, I have to say I've learned more about music from WPPB than any music station because you get introduced to not only old artists but brand new talent and 
I think they're all equally Aren't amazing. Are they amazing? Do you listen to Ed Bonnie? German, Ed German. Ed, Bonnie Lo- Grice. Love Eddie and, and Bonnie. And our man, Brian Crossgrove. Brian he's Crossgrove. I know, yes. he's the best. Right, and so it's the- such an asset to have. Oh, the only NPR station in Long Island right here. It's this really extraordinary. This is amazing. No, I tell you. Thanks, Dad. My, <laughs> my, my wife loves Ed German. Just, and, and we have gone Friday to Westpac. We have done Westpac shows where he's been at the show, and she's like a groupie. She goes up to him and compliments him all the time. How fantastic. So this is Mark Bernardo. He is he, not a plant. He we're is not a ringer. We're in West Hampton Beach. Right. That's fantastic. And, and we're, talk, we're talking with Kevin McAllister. Uh, who, who has uh, Defend H2O, which uh, is about trying to uh, advocate for better coastal conditions and waterways in Long Island, all of Long Island. Do you have any questions? Well, I got to tell you, nothing's more important than water quality. And right we just had a blowout valve installed on our street because of uh, the rust that was building up in the Suffolk County water supply on our street. And uh, uh, we're grateful that it happened. But we've had our water tested independently by several labs and stuff. We're okay, but you got that Air Force base right there. And they're having unbelievable problems with the uh, firefighting foams mm-hmm. that have... Uh, permeated the aquifers. It's a big, big problem. Mark, I think you're going to have to get your own show on, on WPV. So the only thing go. more important than water quality is NPR and supporting uh, your local public radio station. And, and, and the artwork at Estes, which is absolutely stunning. Oh, it is. It's Edwina Lucas and Georgia Souter. Uh, Colin Ambrose, the owner at Estes Little Kitchen, supports female artists is what he's doing right now. He also has The Shed on Tuesdays, uh, which is a co-working space for women only. And I'm here every Tuesday just working my little butt off. Um, but let's get back to, to talking to Kevin. That right. was wonderful to have the, the, yeah, our That's cool. I love the, I love the spontaneity and, and being out in the world. Well, this and if you great. do want to donate right now, you know the you can always do it online at uh, 883wppb.org. And uh, we're so that was so cool, wasn't it, to have a Very listener? Very cool. All right, yeah. so, so again, back we're, to talking Kevin about, we're talking about advocating. We're talking about how you get the word out. So yeah. so you, you, you do a lot of work in public forums. You know, obviously you're on this show, but then you'll, you'll have things when there are a lot of people out here in the summer. Um, is it ultimately about uh, the purse strings? Is it ultimately about getting the government to... Uh, to fund the right programs? I mean, is it, are you doing a lot of lobbying behind the scenes? or like? I don't engage uh, government officials as much. I, I prefer to go through the public. Okay. Uh, I find the, the po- political world to be a little suspect, quite frankly. So uh, you're the one. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we all find them a little suspect, actually. The, the decisions that are being made are, at times are not only, not uh, can be misguided with respect to environmental protection. Right. So well. my role and my efforts are really trying to empower well, it's, it's the public, it's, the citizenry. It's people in temporary jobs making permanent decisions for us. And so... Right, and, and uh, some of these decisions are being made because of the priority of those temporary jo- jobs as opposed to long-term views on, on protection. That's so the, before we took the break, um, Sock was talking about what we can do to, to protect. Um, what can one person do? If you're, if you're trying to empower through the people, what can a person do? What are some of the, some of the steps well, it comes down with water protection, obviously, one's property. And, you know, the big threats, of course, is increasing pesticide use. 
you know, we can back off of the herbicides, the insecticides on our on our backyard. That just goes straight into the aquifer. Like yes. we, we just drink that. Yes, we do, and okay. and there's no question. So, that when, so when people are spraying their yards for ticks and they're spraying their yards to get a greener yard or doing all that stuff, that ultimately is just going right into the the drinking water, in, into drinking water or into the groundwater, and then it's being delivered to the coastal ponds and bays. And obviously, the uh, toxicity of that water, even at very low levels, now poses uh, a threat to aquatic life. So, what right. about like the methaprene? That's that's just just really methaprene bad. Methaprene is a big issue I've been addressing for years. Uh, this is sprayed for mosquito control by Suffolk County uh, by helicopter over. I, I some can remember when they were spraying DDT out here. Oh, we used to like run around. It was very it. sweet smelling, and I can remember you had to go inside for a day, and I was like, yeah. you had to wait till you stopped smelling that kind of sweetness. And you kind of knew that that was something was bad when you were made to go inside for a day. It was like when smog alerts started yeah. happening in L.A. and you're like, oh, I'm not supposed to go outside. And, 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 I mean, there's so many areas. Every township, every little nook has its own unique situation. But it's but there are kind of more global uh, realities that I think you're you're hitting on. So it doesn't really matter if you're in Wayne Scott or in West Hampton. It's still the same basic. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know. Back to the property, just backing off of the fertilizers, which is nitrogen affecting uh, groundwater as well, uh, the, the pesticide use. Oh, you um, know what? You know, my home, I bought the old duck farm <laughs> in Mariches. So talk about nitrogen. I mean, yes. that the, the ducks, the <laughs> duck poop was just completely destroying the, uh, like the mill pond behind where I live. And that's one of the reasons why this. You're on the Forge River. Yeah. yeah, I'm right on the Forge River. So yeah. there you go. But there, it's not there anymore, and it's recovering. It's uh, and I do have to say that because the duck, th because of the duck poop, everything grows because it's natural nitrogen in the soil at least. So the soil. Seems so, but that's to be but like that's an, almost a misguided thing. It's of like, course. Uh, it's, you, you know, you're seeing something grow. You think things are good. Right, but, but actually, you don't realize it's bad. the other. No, we're just reducing the amount of turf. Uh, do we need a, a, a sprawling lawn on one's property versus uh, some natural areas in a limited lawn space? So you know, what, that, what, what can people use to fertilize that's safe? Is there, are there, is there any kind of organic safe thing that they can use if they really do want that green lawn? It's composting. It's, yeah. um, I mean, ultimately compost and, you know, having the soil healthy, and that means removing the, the harmful chemicals. Uh, ultimately will keep a green lawn so that's that's you know it's not a question of not having a green lawn it's right. about doing things differently. you know it's really cool though it's like but before uh we, we came on uh I went, you know and again I, I was thinking yeah you know coastal water issues it's, it's really about the erosion on the beaches and that seems to be like almost a, a sidebar if you will uh to the big this bigger conversation because the the, the erosion on the beaches uh is one aspect but like you're really talking about the um, the relationship that humanity has to the environment that it's exploiting. Well, it's also yeah. I was going to say that uh, mankind is trying to kind of shape the environment to be to its demands rather than understanding that nature is going to do what nature is going to do. Like nature created a new inlet in Mauritius, like during Superstorm Sandy, like. You know, it wasn't people. It's like nature is so powerful, and yet we all seem to think that our little green lawn, you know, well, right. we're, and, we're and, and, and Venice, Italy, still exists. And so again, it's yeah. I don't know if it's hubris or ego or just tenacity is, yeah. and the ability for humanity to adapt. But but we're pretty good at forcing our will, despite logic. Well, you know, I, I 
we've talked a lot about water quality. I really want to talk about the coastal erosion since that's so near. Yeah, we're, and dear. we're starting to talk about Montauk, right? That's yeah, yeah, and I, I want to talk about that. Um, do you well, want to Montauk has been thrust in the spotlight, of course. <laughs> Several years ago, they moved to, uh, through government's basically direction, to armor the coast. And coastal armoring is uh, seawalls, sandbag revetments, stones. Uh, I'm cautioning against the armoring of the coast because ultimately as sea level rise comes up uh, and then you have the forces of, of nature, the fronting beach will be eroded out and will not be able to migrate. So we would lose very important public space, recreational space, as a result of misguided... Right. It seems like a bit uh, of a paradox, because you think that putting something there keeps it, but you're actually saying putting something well, there... Well, you're, you're protecting what's behind it, but you're destroying what's in front of it. Wow. And, you know, our, our right. beaches, of course, are paramount to our Long Island's lifestyle, not to mention our economy. And going back to an image, I mean, there are images, and I know we've, we've had them in The Independent, of houses where, where you can actually now see the bags because as soon as there's a storm and the sand is washed away you're looking at the sandbagging that's been placed there by the army corps of engineer but that but that also goes to uh, you know like so we're we're it's so funny because because it's like the lock on your front door is not only there to keep somebody out but it's also locking you in you know like you're also locked in and what you're really talking about is so uh short-sighted let's do something to keep something out but in doing it you're also locking yourself in and you're going to destroy what's on the other side that's yeah that's you know Bridger, you you asked me earlier about you know the the approach of defend h2o and its effectiveness you know in a way it's johnny appleseed where through education and engagement uh you know i feel strongly that i've been enlightening people and that groundswell, if you will, is in fact responding to government and our elected officials to make the right decisions. So uh, we're starting to get it with respect to coastal armoring, uh, and now it's really a, a question of doing the right thing in the decision making. Okay, that sounds like a good place to take another little break. We're talking with Kevin McAllister from Defend H2O, and you can check out his website at defendh2o.org. And you're listening to Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy oh, oh, and Alex Sokolow and Mark Bernardo, who is sitting and, at the and, next and table. And everybody at Estes, it's a party here. It's a yeah, fiesta. It is, it is fiesta. Come out the gringo hash. At uh, Estes Little Kitchen on the Bridge, Bridge Sag Turnpike, where the special today is gringo hash, and they're serving dinner again, and it's beautiful art. And we're here with our producer, Kyle Lynch, and we will be right back. The following is a public service announcement from 88.3 WPPB. Founded in 1987, The Retreat is a nonprofit licensed domestic violence agency. It provides a number of services to help break the cycle of family violence. The Retreat offers a secure residence on the east end of Long Island and works with local, state, and national agencies to provide a safe haven, food, clothing, and support. More information at theretreatinc.org or 631-329-4398. Sitting in the morning sun I'll be sitting in 
the evening comes Watching the ships roll in And then I watch them roll away again Yeah, I'm sitting on the dock of the bay Watching the tide roll away And we're back Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. (laughs) And Alex Sacco. We're coming to you on WPPB, Long Island's only NPR station. You can listen on 88.3 FM. Or at 88.3 WPPB.org. Got it. And we're coming to you from Estia's Little Kitchen. PB&J, PPB. PPB, not PB&J. And our guest today is Kevin McAllister from DefendH2O.org. What can people find on your website? A great deal of information. I like to stay very current with issues. Um, The commentary that's provided to the public as well as the elected officials. So it's enlightenment if you uh, spend a little time perusing the website. And and it is uh, defendh2o.com? Dot org. Dot org. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And um, so we were just talking, uh, sometimes the the most interesting conversations aren't on the air. It's like while we're taking our break, you were talking about Sagaponic and Montauk and and the coastal erosion. And And, and, and we were actually kind of touching on something that might be a little sensitive to some people, but that is the, the... the value of the properties is enormous out here. The money that shows up seasonally or as investment or as whatever is enormous out here. And the people that show up, with no judgment to them, because I'd be the same way, want what they want when they're out here. And that might actually belie the sustainability of the entire area and the public spaces. Right, yes. so where do you protect and where do you allow the people to enjoy what brings the dollars to the area? Well, I'm a big advocate of the commons, public trust doctrine. This is old common law that uh, really is uh, inception of this country that provided uh, joint ownership of, of shorelines in particular. So there is, unfortunately, with um, sea level rise and the implications of erosion, we've got to make the correct choices on the coast. Uh, I'm adamantly opposed to armoring the coast, building of seawalls in different forms, because we will lose that recreational public space as a result of it. Um, I know it's it's very hard medicine for many people, but um, you know ultimately, if we basically uh, manage the coast for the benefit of the public at large but, but i but i almost wonder if part of the messaging should be and, and for the people who are trying to armor the coast is your your value of your property will will go down if the coast disappears so that really it's in it's you're incentivized to actually want to be part of a bigger solution yeah no and it all comes down to education and understanding well, i want to uh, ask you a question because uh, you've been up and down this coast we, we've already talked about you being a lifeguard in florida and i'm just going to bring that back up so there you go so you've been up and down the coast you spent your life doing this is there like a, a coastal community that does it right is there a place that where you're like yeah if we did that out here we would be in better shape there are several states, Maine, North Carolina, for instance, that have certainly taken a hard line against the armoring of the coast, the seawalls. They're like, trying to like keep Wilmington, those, North Carolina, uh, or where? The state of North Carolina in general. Um, they recognize that their greatest asset is, in fact, public beaches. 
Uh, if they go down the road of allowing individual property owners to build seawalls, um, you know, they will d destroy these beaches and, uh, of course, uh, basically a big economic engine for that state. Right. So that, that is, in a way, visionary, looking forward to uh, ensuring, again, the resources are protected. Right, but like, but like for our listeners, uh, hearing this, all right, what could they do? What could, like, what could I do? What could Bridget do? What could Kyle do? What can we do? Besides, besides to help move a, the needle in a proper in, in a in a more holistic. I mean, besides not using nitrogen or whatever the fertilizers, what can we do coastally? I mean, what how can we get the message across, or what can we do? Public education, and that's my role, of course. But it it's I'll say activism on the part of the community. We we can no longer we can't be apathetic anymore. Uh, we've got right. to participate in, in Thank government. Thank God I'm not still in high school because that would be really hard for me not to be apathetic. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but you know what? I have to be. I have to give a shout out to the young people. Young people are getting more involved now, and, and that may be because of the current political climate. We try not to get into that. But it's kind of it has motivated or light, lit a fire under the butt of many young people who are much no, more to, to, involved, you I know, think. Put it Unlike into us. action. Um, say on a town board level for instance and local government really right you know is the key player uh, on all these issues right um you know by the public at large really turning out communicating in different forms whether it be phone calls or letters communications to our elected officials you know they in turn will start to make the right decisions uh for but i would also say it's almost expectations that we all like are, are maybe brainwashed to believe that we have an expectation of getting everything we want at all times a, a, a level of kind of self-realized happiness to our day-to-day -day existence yeah. as opposed to understanding that we're just here for a blink and that really you know i, I was just actually reading about uh, uh, epicurean how epicurious epicurean epicurious epicurean and he was actually like a a, a very quiet liver uh he he thought that when he was talking about the pursuit of pleasure, he was talking about the holistic relationship to nature and how real pleasure comes from understanding how unimportant you are, yes. uh, unimportant you are, and um, and not, and it's been bastardized over the thousands of years to thinking no, it comes from drinking and sex and everything else. Well, that too. No, but, no, I, but I think that because I think the conversation is yes. what is what is. Like happiness out here. What is play? And, and and being out here, being on the East End, being in in Connecticut, that also will hear the show. It, it, it is about well, the beauty that's around us and and our responsibility to that. Well, you know, I mean, I we are not no surprise here. We are made up of water. We are like ninety eight percent water. We are, we are our amniotic fluid is like equivalent to seawater. And I actually had a, a holistic doctor. But a doctor with an MD say to me that I needed to get into the ocean more, like like that was that like go in the ocean twice a day instead of taking a pill. It's so important. So it isn't just pleasure. It's 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 necessary. Maybe right. more than we know. But but again, like like, and now we're, we can have like, this conversation yeah, off like, the air. We, we should probably like, get but, Kevin but involved. <laughs> it's 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 about population growth. It's about money coming out here. It's about all the things that makes this place so unique in the in the cultural definition of Eastern Long Island, perhaps combating with like nature, combating with the very idea of sustainability. And I mean, it's always going to win. I can tell you that. Well, right I know. Now. But but I again, Kevin, like, well, like, I believe, you know, this isn't putting up the gate in that we, you know, we're a population that's growing. 
the East End is growing. It's, it's not about uh, stopping people from being here, but it is a matter of having a, a softer footprint in our in our lives um, you know I described our own own backyards our own properties in living trying to live in a more sustainable way I think um, engaging and embracing nature you know so it doesn't become a casualty of, of exploitation well, it is, uh, it's the big draw out here and then, like draw. like Alex said the paradox is that the more people who come out here the more ruined it is and if it gets spoiled uh, everyone will go away they'll find another location and, and we'll be left with the ruins right and I think you know by uh, trying to enlighten people engage people you know we can protect this place so I, I, I want to ask you what do you think about this whole idea about them moving like Main Street Montauk like back back a block or two it's it's not main street montauk <laughs> I, I, know, I mean i'm being sarcastic but it's the uh i call it the front row right uh there's properties these are seasonal hotels and motels condos uh that are basically uh had flattened the primary dune decades ago when these were built uh, because of the erosion trend now we have a narrowing beach right uh, these are highly vulnerable properties We've already armored the coast in front of it. I believe that they need to relocate, uh, and this is really the tough medicine, at uh, potentially extinguish the use in this area. Uh, behind it in the downtown, we have to go higher because... Um, right, well, the city of Chicago raised itself in the 1880s and 90s because of a sewage issue. Yeah, I mean, we they were They raised the whole city. Just, right. deal, just deal with that concept. Well, we, we can were, do we anything. We were talking about that. We were talking about New Orleans being basically yeah. a soup bowl. I mean, there's, yes. and you know, Holland. I mean, you think of the little boy with his, you know, finger in the dike. But, uh. So the ability for downtown Montauk, which is a, what's called an isthmus. In other words, it's a narrow piece of land between water bodies. Uh, it will be influenced by rising seas with groundwater coming up. Yeah. So the, the development has to go higher in that location. Um, sewage treatment has to come into that community because right now wastewater systems are sitting in groundwater affecting a nearby pond and, and the Atlantic Ocean and, and public health with respect to um, bathing beaches. Right. So again, I mean, as we wind down uh, this conversation, what, what would you like to leave people with? Like just... Something hopeful, please. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> very optimistic. And I've, um, again, this is my life work. I believe our waters are extremely resilient. Uh, the ability to rebound, you were, um, you know, opening the show talking about Cuyahoga um, and, you know, the Clean Water Act and reversing pollution problems. Uh, it's very capable, very doable thing. Uh, we just have to commit ourselves to making the correct choices with respect to protection of our resources, our beaches and our water bodies, um, and in turn the water bodies will recover if they are in fact uh, fouled as we speak. Okay, so that's that's what we we all have now been resiliency, uh, resiliency. resiliency. Yes. Well, that's a wonderful the ability place. to spring back, and that's um, you know that's certainly something we can accomplish as human human nature with respect to right decisions. Please go to defendh2o.org and and educate yourself and and be part of the solution. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Kevin. Thanks it's been really me. enlightening, and uh, you've been listening to us here Sundays on the East End with Bridget Leroy. And Alex Sokolow. We've been coming to you from Estia's Little Kitchen, which is uh, the, with hot burritos and cool conversation. You'll come for the artwork. You'll stay for the gringo hat. <laughs>
with our brilliant producer Kyle Lynch and uh, you're listening to us on WPPB 88.3 FM where you can listen online always available for a donation as well 88.3wppb.org and thank you be well and stay well Oh, I can't I-